Welcome to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio, where we explore pathways to health for self, society, and the planet. We are home to a range of voices, as there is no single roadmap for meeting the challenges of our times. Tune in each week to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Now, here's your host. Welcome, welcome everyone. Even here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we are feeling the effects of the change in the season with some cool, foggy mornings. The maple trees' leaves are vibrant and colorful. The air feels crisp and the earth is cooling. It is such a beautiful season and I can sense an urge to venture indoors, to snuggle with my loved ones, to nourish my body with the delights of my local farmer's foods. And it is a time when I find it a bit easier to tend to my own inner gardens and come into the presence of my own wholeness as I am, complete as I am, and completely as I am, embroidered into the very fabric and tapestry of this extraordinary unfolding life with all of its joys and all of its heartaches in all of its fullness. And I'm feeling deeply touched that you have joined us for this conversation. So consider for a moment what it might mean not merely to see with your eyes, but to feel the sights of the world in your body, or not merely to hear with your ears, but to feel the sounds of the world in the core of your being, subtly attuning you to the present. When the body knows the world in this way, it is not relying on the abstractions of language. Its knowing is nonverbal, unmediated, and direct. Its thinking is sensational. What the body knows is based on a patient clarity that enables you to act from the whole of your being. These are the words of Philip Shepard, the author of the book, New Self, New World. Philip is here to talk with us about his extraordinary new book, Radical Wholeness, the Embodied Present and the Ordinary Grace of Being, excuse me, from which this quote was drawn. And Radical Wholeness will be coming out in just a few days, so be sure to pre-order your copy on Amazon. And Philip Shepard has gained an international reputation as an expert in embodiment, who teaches people how to ground their thinking in the calm, deep-dwelling intelligence of the body. His workshops provide tools to last a lifetime, even as it gently opens the door to a radical experience of wholeness. And you can find out more about his work and his upcoming workshops at philipshepherd.com. It's spelled P-H-I-L-I-P-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D.com. So welcome, Philip, to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. It is such a great honor and pleasure to have you here with us today. Well, I'm sure it's at least equally a a pleasure to be here with you, Rochelle. Thank you so much. Uh So what a beautiful quote that is from Radical Wholeness. And I can sense what you describe as is possible, that what the body knows is based on a patient clarity that enables you to act from the whole of your being. But then you go on to say, just in that same paragraph, you say, but that knowing is inaccessible and may as well not exist when it's been eclipsed by the driven, anxiety-laced, contracted intelligence of the head. And you describe this as our primary wound. So this certainly resonates very much with my own experience growing up in this society and the Western colonized culture that we live in. And it's it's feeling very alive to me now as we begin this conversation because I think naming and acknowledging this reality as you do so clearly and articulately throughout the book. So I'm wondering if we can start start there, if you can help us understand this primary wound, as you call it. Yeah, it's it's a good place to start because it's the unseen impediment that we all chafe against in -hmm. trying to be free and trying to live our lives well. 
I really see that wound in its starkest terms as a wound between our thinking and our being. We've been systematically instructed to believe that our thinking happens in the head and will be compromised if the sensations of the body interfere with it. And you can see how the whole of the education system is sort of geared to shut down and inhibit the energy of the body. And, you know, kids are told every day, you know, get these facts into your head, get this into your head. You're the, you know, the focus of the curriculum is on abstractions that are as dissociated from the body as our culture in general is. So, so the, the system molds children into a, a separation of their thinking from their being. And then we flip into a sort of binary either-or modality where on the one hand we can feel, but then if we're asked to think about something in the abstract, we shift out of feeling into that contracted space of the head. And and we negotiate back and forth over that divide. But our thinking and our being belong together. Um, you know, when, when my thinking and my being are unified, I feel my every thought. So a thought itself resonates through my being and is understood there. And in a similar way, I understand the sensations of my experience to be a form of thinking. So thinking manifests as being and being manifests as thinking. And when those two come together, you can face the present, you can face another person, you can face a problem in your life with the whole of your being available to it, which is, you know, we've, we've, we've got this bizarre notion that we can think more clearly when we think with a fractured, compartmentalized portion of our intelligence rather than the whole of our intelligence. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, you know, the framework that, that, that those statements are derived from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so appreciate your, your use of the word disabled, actually, to describe what you call whole blindness. And I think I even used the word disabled in one of my first episodes of Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio just to describe my own experience of growing up in this society that perpetuates this deep and profound lack of interiority and the lack of just honoring of the body. And so as I was, you know, coming through this deep experience of suffering, really from, in part, from that lack of inner awareness and just body awareness and recognizing my emotions and all of this, that I described it as actually being disabled by this. Um, And so I'm wondering if you could speak a bit more about this and your term you use is whole blindness and how this is, how this is, how might we see this in our lives today? Yeah, you know, that, that interiority that you speak of that, that, that tends to fall beneath our radar um, is part and parcel of a commitment we've made as a culture to the notion of independence. Mm-hmm. Um, we strive for independence. We, you know, our whole um, sort of journey into adulthood is conceived of one where you become increasingly independent. And then if you do really well, you'll be like the self-made billionaire um, who's, who can stand independent from, you know, the world if he chooses. And, mm. and that, that independence um, is fortified by our language and our customs and our ways of travel and even our senses. So what I mean by that is, as a culture, we've decided there are five senses, um, you know, sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste, 
And every one of those senses involves a stimulus traveling from the outside world across the boundary of our independence to land on a receptor. So that boundary is reinforced. And there are other cultures that experience the senses in a completely different way. It's not a given of human experience. Our interpretation of the cultures is a cultural artifact that reinforces our separation from the world. So in my in my new book, Radical Wholeness, I write about the Ango Ive culture, which feels, as, as the opening excerpt from the book indicated, that culture feels all of the sensations of the world in the body. They feel sight in the body. They they hear the sounds of the world in the body. And and that um, their primary sense is the sense of balance. And and that sort of highlights mm-hmm. a blind spot for us because, well, we have, you know, this organ devoted to the sense of balance in the inner ear. We speak of a sense of balance, but we we don't allow balance to qualify as a sense. And you think about that, and well, balance brings us into felt relationship with the earth beneath our feet. There is no boundary. Uh, there's no stimulus that comes from the earth um, and, and arrives on a receptor. It's We are in a felt relationship all the time with the earth. And so we don't accept balance in our culture as a sense because it it undermines our sense of being independent and once you shift you know to that interior space i really feel the body almost like a bell and there is so much spaciousness within it and the body rings to the present but as a culture we tend you know, we tend to stuff the bell full of cotton balls. We we compartmentalize and dissociate and and bind up intention um, in so many ways within the body. And then what happens is is the present ceases to exist as as a whole because the bell doesn't ring. It's lost its ability to ring, and so and so the present, which can only be felt in its wholeness. Um, ceases to exist it's it's like that sense of being eclipsed and and that tension those cotton balls that we carry within disable our ability to feel our wholeness to feel the wholeness of a relationship to feel the wholeness of the world around us to to know what it is to speak from your wholeness or to feel the present as a whole so i think i think our primary relationship is our relationship to the present. That's, that's, that's the reality. The, the wholeness of the present um, is, is the given of our reality. And so if you don't feel the present as a whole, you're, you're somehow blinded um, from feeling, from from taking in from coming into accord with the present and there is only wholeness you know um we want we we because we live in our heads cut off from that that sensational bridge to the world that the body gives us we tend to see the world as this assortment of scattered bits and pieces but but that's that's in in and of itself that's an illusion because everything depends on everything, everything affects everything else, everything relies on everything. There, there's nothing that happens anywhere in the universe that doesn't ripple through the whole of it. Mm-hmm. So to be disabled, to be un- incapable of feeling the whole that, that holds you in its, in its embrace at every moment is to have a diminished sense of not just your reality, but the reality of the world. Mm. Mm. It's beautiful. So as we're speaking about, you know, the, the present, 
and the wholeness that exists here and holds us here. There's a there's a reality today that I think more and more of us are waking up to that, you know, there's so many instances in our modern industrialized, colonized existence that we're born into in this culture that seem to be, uh, you know, from ecological degradation and this, as you mentioned, this sort of tyrannical educational system, fascist medical practices, even white supremacy and normativity, economic caste systems, and on and on, that it's as if we're we're being, being called to wake up, but the realization of the scale of such terrible and tragic happenings all over the world um, that to show up for the present for this, you speak to this, that there, that you also need a grounding in the body. Otherwise, we want to just numb or subjugate our experience. And I've definitely done this in the past. And because it's so, uh, the shadows are so dark that we're living through today that um, it's really tough to hold. And so I wonder if you can speak to what happens when we, when we do not integrate what's happening, when we put up proverbial fences from all of this, when we want to numb rather than approach, how does this affect our wholeness? And I want to acknowledge that you're, you're very careful to describe wholeness, not as a way out, not as a way to numb, not as a way to like try to transcend our reality, but to integrate them, to be touched by the world, be touched by the present and to be moved by the present. Can you speak to this? Yeah, I appreciate you clarifying wholeness because I'll speak, for example, of my wholeness. And to say that in the context of our culture is to invite the notion that I'm speaking about something within my skin, you mm-hmm. know, that the wholeness of the self held within the skin. And we speak of that in our in our languaging. We speak of, you know, being whole in body, mind, and spirit as if we just had to kind of help these three aspects of the self flourish and come into harmony together and we would be whole. And and there's just no such thing. Wholeness excludes nothing. Wholeness has no boundary. You know, to speak of, of being present, um, I, I'm, my being is what I discover when I'm fully present. My being isn't something that exists uh, encapsulated within the present. My being is held only in relationship. Without relationship, I, I, I have no, uh, no center. I have no energy. I have no vector. I have no orientation whatsoever. So it's only through the relationship that I exist at all. And then the more dilated my sense of self becomes as, as that sense softens into the world, the more I discover myself in relationship. And there's a, you know, that, that darkness you speak of in our culture, um, in part is a result of our fixation on objective knowledge. Um, we, we have put our store in objectively knowing the world, which is very different from being in felt relationship with it. Mm-hmm. And every calamity we face has been exacerbated, not by our ignorance, but by our knowledge our knowledge of, of how to manipulate the economy and, and how to burn petrochemicals and make plastic and make in pe- pesticides. And, and, and knowledge, you know, has become like our God, that, 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 that it's going to save us. And what we don't see is that knowledge is lethal if it's not counterbalanced by self-knowledge. But self-knowledge, it, you know, it, to me, it's not found within the self. You can't 
dive within the self and know yourself there. You, you, uh, inner work is crucial, but what you're doing is you're sort of you're discovering those the clotted cotton balls and, and liberating yourself from them, integrating them so that then you can come into relationship with the world. And I, I discover who I am as I come into felt relationship, as, as, I, as I, you know, come into felt relationship with, with, with a tree or with a child playing on the sidewalk or with birds in flight, whatever it might be, as I come into felt relationship in that way, I'm illuminated really specifically by that relationship and that illumination lights up who I am in that moment and I discover that through relationship. So what we're trying to do in in facing the calamities that, that seem to be sprouting up like mushrooms all around us is we tend to think we have to outthink them. We tend to believe that that what we need is is to grasp the situation in an abstract way to move forward and it's it's such a different thing to reflect on on the surrender to wholeness that can move you forward and i i speak of the surrender to wholeness because wholeness Wholeness isn't something you acquire. Wholeness isn't something you you get up and activate towards. It already exists. You can't you can't step out of wholeness. There's nowhere else to go. So so what it requires is specifically a surrender. It's it's a matter of letting go of the things you hold on to. And as you as you disencumber yourself of the ideas that you cling to and the knowledge you cling to. And it's not, you know, I say disencumber, but but really what 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 those things need is integration. You know, what we live by unintegrated ideas. And we think that the intelligence in the head is going to weave them into a whole, but they the intelligence in the head specializes in analysis. It specializes in pulling things to pieces, and it knows nothing about what it means to cohere into a whole. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the body's intelligence, the intelligence of your being, that specializes in in, in integration. So as you, you know, literally move those ideas down through the body into the pelvic bowl, they come in touch with your being, and they integrate and the more deeply you integrate the more spaciousness there is within for all the world to live there so beautiful i have an experience i'm curious i'm wondering if i want to share and i think i will it's i have a friend a new friend who is uh she's a person of color and she's fierce and articulate and um, just courageous and powerful. And she's calling out white normativity and white privilege. And I could see myself, because this is relatively new terrain for me. I mean, I've I've done a lot of work around a lot of different things, but this in particular was like, um, you know, she was really holding my feet to the fire, which... I so appreciate, but so I could know, I could see myself sort of going into, um, you know, just healthy shame and guilt around this because I live in, you know, a suburb of San Francisco Bay Area and it's largely white and I was born into this privilege and it's like being born into the the, the waters and you can't see it and um, so I'm just really grateful for this person you know just really helping me just become aware of the, the this reality but it's also fascinating to watch my my experience as I'm sort of awakening to this reality and I could see myself like you're talking about this like being in the head and wanting to analyze it and okay so I know that this is not you know, helping, just recognizing this and then coming back into this, the, my body and the wholeness of grounding myself in my body and seeing the value. So I'm, I'm working with integrating it, recognizing that, yeah, this is how it is right now. And it's, 
it kind of sickens me actually uh, that it's so pervasive. And so, and then there's this grappling with, okay, how do we move into a new reality? Because this just doesn't seem okay, you know? <laughs> so you can see all these, these mental processes. But I just am so grateful for being grounded in my body and having had this practice because being able to, because then I'm open to integrating this new learning and it's changing who I am so that when I come into the world, I am bringing a new, a new reality. I see things with somewhat fresh eyes and hear things with somewhat fresh ears. I'm just curious if you can speak to this experience uh, related to, you know, wholeness and grounding in one's body as we open ourselves, open our hearts, break our hearts open to some of these more challenging realities that we find ourselves in today. Yeah, um, I think it's really crucial to understand that every culture has a luminous story about what it means to be human and every culture is limited. And my gosh, we, you know, with privilege, that limitation becomes fortified. And we so desperately need other visions, other perspectives to liberate our humanity. Uh, you know, it's, it's not, I've never sought to become more, um, you know, indigenous or African or oriental, but I've learned so much from all of them. And, and as you say, it's the body, it's coming back the body that really grounds all that in that unmediated way where you can just be present to another person yeah it is time to take a short break and before we go allow me to share a quote by philip shepherd in his book radical wholeness the embodied present and the ordinary grace of being he says i personally do not believe there is such a thing as too much sensitivity I believe instead that sensitivity needs a complementary opposite that can ground its charged energies and give them a place to settle and integrate. The more sensitive someone is, the more crucial it is that they embody this other quality if their sensitivity is to inform their wholeness rather than disrupt it. These are the words of Philip Shepard. You can buy his book New Self, New World, and pre-order Radical Wholeness on Amazon. And you can learn more about his upcoming workshops at philipshepherd.com. And we will be right back with Philip Shepherd. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In these times of converging crisis, the world needs us now more than ever before. Revolutionary Wellness Magazine is devoted to amplifying inspiring voices, facing challenging realities head on, opening up new places of power, and inviting curiosity about the paths we might take toward personal, communal, and global health. The magazine aspires to help us become the change we wish to see in the world, co-creating the more beautiful world we know to be possible. Join us on this journey. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com. Do you know that you were born to experience revolutionary wellness? Have you wondered why extraordinary physical, mental, and emotional health has eluded you? Do you know that your infinite personal power resides right here in the present moment? People all over the world are awakening to their birthright. Revolutionary Wellness. Subscribe today at revolutionarywellnessmagazine.com and begin your journey into the mystery. Engage with experts in topics of nourishment, wisdom, and empowerment. Develop mental clarity. Live wholeheartedly and be empowered to live an authentic life of passion and purpose. The world, now more than ever, needs you to feel revolutionarily well. Explore and integrate new ways of being. Learn to access your own unique treasure, the wisdom that is right there inside you, waiting to be revealed. 
Experience a renewed, vivid, and nourishing relationship with yourself and the world around you. Log on and subscribe to Revolutionary Wellness Magazine today and experience the publication devoted to your journey toward extraordinary health and well-being. RevolutionaryWellnessMagazine.com Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Listening to Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Our hosts are clinicians of mind and body medicine and lifestyle change. They are writers, activists, educators, and change agents. You can reach the show and our hosts at experiencerevolutionarywellness.com. Now, back to our show. Welcome back, everyone. Before we get started, I'd like to let you know of an extraordinary experience that's becoming available to study with Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin and the Urku Mamanwasi indigenous peoples of the upper Amazon in a two-week immersion into the world of Amazonian plant medicine and healing practices, as well as integral ecology. From January 9th to 24th, 2018, Dr. Frederic Apfel-Marglin was here with us on Revolution. Wellness Talk Radio for an amazing three-part series, and all of those conversations are available in her in the archives, and they are free on Voice America's Health and Wellness channel. There will be more information about the program in our next issue of Revolutionary Wellness Magazine, but in the meantime, you can find out more by emailing Dr. Frederick Apfel-Marglin at fmarglin at smith.edu. It's F-M-A-R-G-L-I-N at smith.edu. And we are here with Philip Shepard talking with uh, him about his new book that's just coming out called Radical Wholeness. And that can be ordered, uh, pre-ordered on Amazon.com. You definitely want to get your copy. It's, it's really extraordinary. And um, so, Philip, welcome back. Uh, thank you. <laughs> in, in the quote I shared before a break, you speak to the need for a complementary opposite that can ground its charged energies and give them a place to settle and integrate and um, in in the book you were just sharing this before break but in the book you share about dozens of instances in native indigenous traditions where this kind of grounding is the norm and so if you wouldn't mind speaking to this um, complementary opposite I'd appreciate that yeah um, for me it's really there are, you know, we've spoken of that, the disabled um, sense within us where we can't sense wholeness. And being unable to sense wholeness, our view of reality becomes uh, distorted. And it's distorted particularly by the fact that we live in our heads, so we don't even feel our own wholeness. And then when we come to understand ourselves we have this bias that we bring to it. So, for example, we define our intelligence as the ability to reason in an abstract fashion. And that is sort of the domain of the intelligence in the head. That's what it specializes at. So so we've defined intelligence by the faculty that likes to flatter itself um, when it comes to the almighty capabilities of reason. And, you know, reason is incapable of bringing us the things that matter most. You can't reason your way into the present. You can't reason your way to sleep at night. You can't reason your way into love or gratitude. It's Reason is a brilliant faculty, but it's impoverished. And we need another way of understanding what is our actual intelligence. And I, for myself, I, I think abstract reasoning is, is, is one part of this massive spectrum. And when I go to, to identify what that spectrum is, the first thing that comes to my mind is sensitivity. And I don't care if it's a sensitivity to a child's tears, to Mozart, to color to arithmetic relationship, any human sensitivity 
is a form of intelligence. Mm. What characterizes a sensitivity, though, is that it's reactive. So, because my retina reacts to light, I see. But that reactivity cannot make coherent the information that it's accessing without being grounded. Mm-hmm. So, so as I as I said in that quote, there are, you know there are people we of whom we say, oh, she's too sensitive, and mm-hmm. I just don't think there's such a thing. Mm-hmm. What it is for me is is she has sensitivities and she hasn't learned how to ground them. And that grounding happens in the body. It's, again, that intelligence deep in the body that knows how to integrate. So mm-hmm. as, those, as those sensitivities are connected, as thinking and being overcome that horrific wound that has sundered them and they come back together, then the sensitivities find that complementary opposite of the grounding and you're in a process of continual integration mm-hmm. that that renders the wor- world with clarity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as you're sharing that, I was I had an experience this morning. We have a small dog, and uh, I have a two-year-old Willow, and she's laying out a blanket on the on the sofa, and Josie jumps up on the sofa, and she's yelling, you know, <laughs> she doesn't want Josie on the blanket, and so I would just immediately, you know, got down with her and was just said, you know, is Willow angry, and she said, angry, and yo-yo angry, that's how she calls herself, but mm-hmm. it was, it was, uh, and then she immediately was able to let it go and just release or at least to have been acknowledged to acknowledge and integrate what was happening and to name it not just for her but it was for my sake as well I could feel it just sort of just that acknowledging and naming and integration and then we could move forward it was really interesting um, it kind of speaks to what you were just saying yeah we bind, we bind up ideas and we bind up emotions and we we bind up warnings within ourselves and muscle patterns, and there are there are all these realms of the self that are inhibited from that process of integration. We don't, you know, as a culture, we're just brilliant at pulling things <laughs> pieces, but my goodness, we've forgotten even what it means to integrate in that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, you have a quote in your book I would love to share um, just about you know just the insanity <laughs> where we find ourselves but you say how how did we develop an economic system that measures its success according to how quickly we can turn the earth's plundered resources into stuff that will become tomorrow's garbage that question takes us back to the patriarchal brutalities of colonial era, era when Europeans discovered continents subdued savages living there and plundered resources human agricultural timber and mineral the mentality of campaigns and conquest remains with us it shows up in the militaristic language of marketing and economics but today there are no more continents and holding on to the imperative of limitless growth is not just denial it is suicidal insanity you can only devour so much of the planet you depend on before what you depend on is gone and yet limitless growth remains the guiding principle of our economy and isn't that so? <laughs> and then what scary words, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, to me, that, that comes back to this divide that we spoke of at the top of the hour um, between our thinking and our being. Mm-hmm. When, when you dissociate from your being, as we're encouraged to do from a tender, mm-hmm. tender age, and you move up into the head, there is an emptiness within you that is left behind and that emptiness has to be filled. And, and we are driven and compelled and addictive in our restlessness. If there's, if there's anything that truly characterizes our culture, it's that restlessness. We need to be entertained. We need to be shopping. We need to be doing. We, we need to 
be done to. And and all of these means this this kind of addictive um, fervor that runs through our culture is the result of of this disconnection from that intelligence in the pelvic bowl. So, you know, the intelligence in the head is where we can consciously think. The intelligence in the pelvic bowl is where we can consciously be. And to be disassociated from that is to have to substitute doing of one sort or another for that experience of being that we've forsaken. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you share so practically in so many ways how we can, you actually use this a term called the embodied present process. And I'm wondering if you could share some of the exercises uh, in your workshops and help us and you use this beautiful term, hollow sapience, if you can help us understand that and how that is recovered. And how will it change our culture? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah. Um, well, I, I really felt that this, what I call our primary sense, um, our ability to feel wholeness, needed a name. So I called it whole, hollow sapience. And Hollow sapiens is just that. It's the ability to feel the whole to which you seamlessly belong. And having disabled that sense, you know, and it happens so systematically in our culture, um, we, we end up feeling... The present is out there, and I'm in here. And so when I started developing my work um, and needed to name it, I called it the embodied present process. And what that's trying to point towards is that the present is living within you. I mean, there's no way it's not living within you. But it lives within you. Your sensitivities are there to such an extent that you, as, as, as we spoke of at the top of the program, you can feel the world there. When there's enough spaciousness within the body, there's room for the sights and sounds and pulses of the present to course through you and be felt. And as they're felt, they impart guidance that is ineffable and so clearly felt. So we've, 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 by sundering our thinking from our being, we've sundered ourselves from the possibility of being guided by the whole. And then all we can do is guide ourselves. We sit up in our head and we rationalize and strategize and compare and deliberate and we go round and round trying to grasp the steering wheel of the self and 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 um, find a true path. And the only true path is a path that is found in harmony with the present, in harmony with the world around you. But you can't you can't begin to feel the world's harmony until until you've resensitized your body to it, and that's really what Hollow Sapiens is about. Um, mm-hmm. And as you say, you know, I do I teach workshops, and I um, I'm spending more time almost teaching teaching people how to teach my work in teachers trainings, and the the essence of that work is to over, first of all, to expose all the ways in which we interfere with the breath, with the body, with our impulses in this top-down modality. And it's never a matter of getting rid of or denigrating the intelligence of the head. It's only a matter of bringing it into relationship with the intelligence in the pelvic bowl. And when, when that brilliant capacity for analysis is brought into relationship with that 
unifying, integrative, relationship-oriented intelligence in the pelvic bowl, it converts to sensitivity. So an idea brought down through the body reveals itself as a sensitivity. And sensitivity matters because it's the foundation of our intelligence. In my understanding, our intelligence is grounded sensitivity. And, you know, we're very, very, very clever as a culture, but mm-hmm. but we've forgotten how to live intelligently. So my practices are about recognizing the body's energy and bringing it in, into coherence and feeling the center of your awareness and allowing that to to drop down through the body like a pebble tossed into a pond and come to rest on the pelvic floor. And it's 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 a different way of being. That's what I feel our world is crying out for. And we we won't find a different way of being until we come to rest in the body. You say when you soften into the present, you soften into the whole. You surrender to it so that the fluid reality of what is might touch your core and live there, clear, tangible, resonant. When that happens, when you restore the awareness of your core to the intimate touch of the present, the feeling you have is not that you are living in the present. Instead, you experience the present living within you, which, of course, it always does. The vivid, wordless intimacy with which you feel it attunes your core to its kinship and guidance. It is embodied. Before we're getting coming to the end of the show, but I wonder if you could speak. Uh, we have a few minutes, but uh, about embodiment and um, speak. I know you've already touched on it uh, a bit over the course of the show, but if we could speak a little bit more to that specifically. Yeah, I mean, to me, embodiment, to to become fully embodied is just to become, um, to have the whole of your intelligence available to the present. So that there is no compartmentalization. There's, I think of, you know, I think of that wholeness of embodiment. In a way, I think of a murmuration of starlings. And I don't know if you've seen these clouds of birds it's the most extraordinary image where up to like a quarter of a million starlings lift up in the air and coalesce into a cloud that elongates and ripples and lifts and condenses it's extra it's just a phenomenal vision of harmony and our intelligence as as we nurture it within our culture is fragmented and compartmentalized um, and at odds with itself. And embodiment is undoing the divisions and, and uh, compart- compartmentalizations that hold the parts of our intelligence away from each other. I mean, the, you know, the, the heart has an intelligence and it's out of, out of sync with the brain and the brain has an intelligence and it's out of sync with the gut and we, we live in these either or um, modalities and what we need is a both and so that that boundaries and divisions soften and dissolve and we land in that living pulse of the present and its mindfulness and when we do when when you arrive in the mindfulness of the present you arrive in an in an intimacy of mutual awareness whereby you feel yourself summoned. You feel the present whisper to you, asking you to bring your gifts to bear on the world in some way that they were born to do. You're you're born with these gifts to serve the world, and it's there whispering to you, asking you to deploy them, to risk them, to offer them as generously as you can. It's so beautiful. You speak to, um, you're speaking to bringing awareness into the pelvic bowl. And 
in a workshop, you were you mentioned how you know a, a student had asked you. So, are you aware of the pelvic bowl pretty much all the time? And you replied, not aware of, but aware from. And this distinction is crucial. And I'm curious if you can speak to that. Yeah, the awareness of the pelvic bowl is an important step because it's just shot into darkness in our culture. We don't feel the breath in the pelvic bowl. The pelvic floor locks up and, and is bound in tension. And so, you know, that's that's the cotton ball part of it, to feel that tension, to feel the patterns of holding and gently, gently soften them and integrate them. Um, but, but technique, the only purpose for any technique is to clear an obstruction. And once the obstruction's cleared, you don't know that you don't need the technique. And so once that spaciousness and availability is restored to the pelvic bowl, then you're aware from the pelvic mm-hmm. bowl. What I mean by that is, you know, as I rest on as, as the center of my awareness rests on the pelvic floor, I feel the world from a place of wholeness within myself. Mm-hmm. And when once I've come to a place of wholeness within myself, I can feel the wholeness of the world. There's no other way to feel that wholeness. And I can only be aware of that wholeness in my experience from the pelvic bowl. Our guest today has been Philip Shepard, author of Radical Wholeness, The Embodied Present and the Ordinary Grace of Being that you can pre-order on Amazon and you can connect with Philip and his upcoming workshops at philipshepard.com. Philip, wow, what an extraordinary model of radical wholeness you are for us all and for me. And thank you for your clarity and your work in the world, helping humanity recognize and know what is possible, what is inherently already ours to be known, what is our birthright. May your healing work extend out into the farthest reaches of our planet to nourish and heal the the shattered places within the, the being that is our individual and collective experience on this glorious Mother Earth. Thank you, Philip, so very much. It's been such a joy, Rochelle. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, tune in next week for the Emergence Network's Precipice series with Annie Levin, where we will be wondering out loud together as we navigate these perplexing ecological, social, economic, and existential realities of our times. It is such a pleasure to be here with you all. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Until next time, I'm Rochelle McLaughlin. May you sense your wholeness and may you experience the present living within you. Thank you for opening your heart and mind to new ways of seeing, to greater degrees of compassion, and to pathways to health for our world with Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio. Join us next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time to expand your perspective, deepen your attention, and cultivate practices that support personal, communal, and global health on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you.